Today we are going to wrap up our series entitled Reset, and over the last few weeks we have been talking about how do we really discover God's default setting for our life. How do we reclaim that place that God intended us to operate out of and really begin to move in the things that God has for us. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 says this, and then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So if you look at that first point on your outline, we said that we have to reset. Why do we have to reset? We have to reset in order to represent God in the earth. We were created to govern the earth as representatives of God. We can't rightly govern if we are not rightly connected to the one we're representing. And I just want to reiterate again today, this is a governmental authority issue. When we talk about being reset, when we talk about discovering God's default setting for our life, this is about releasing God's governmental authority. It's about bringing righteousness, peace, and joy into the world. And it's about allowing God's authority, God's governmental reign and rule to flow through us. And that is so significant because without that, our world, right, is in a desperate, desperate place. Without the governmental authority of God, we see a world that is spinning out of control. And everywhere, as a matter of fact, everywhere that you look, you can look at your family. And when God rules and reigns in your family, you know what? There's righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy. When God rules on your job, guess what? There's righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy. Now, that doesn't mean there's not crazy moments, and it doesn't mean that sometimes people don't do crazy things, and it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't all right, sin and come short of the glory of God, but there is, a, there is a standard of righteousness. There is an element of joy and peace that is automatically manifested through the governmental reign and authority of God. And when you think about your life personally, your family, your job, your church, your community, the world, right? The more you see God not involved in the equation, the more you see the chaos and the confusion, the hurt and the pain, the struggle and the strife that comes as a result of the governmental authority of God not being implemented. So when we talk about why do we need to be reset, why are these basic fundamental truths of Christianity so significant that we got to spend four weeks at church at the beginning of the year talking about these things? Why is that so important? It is so important because without a spiritual reset, we don't govern as God intended us to govern. We don't operate in the authority that God intends us to operate in. And even though we may have authority, we begin to misuse authority when we are not personally, rightly connected to God. Amen? And we've all seen it personally in people's lives. We've seen people where in a moment in their life, maybe a season in their life, God governed their heart, right? And they were righteous, and they were full of peace, and they were full of joy. And then we've seen that same person. That same person disconnect from the one that they're supposed to serve and love. And all of a sudden, their authority didn't change, but now instead of operating under godly authority and influence, now there is a 
perverted authority and influence, and instead of their life bringing righteousness, peace, and joy, now they bring heartache and despair and pain. So you can be a blessing to your family or you can be a curse to your family. You can be a blessing on your job or a curse to your job. You can be a blessing in your community or a curse to your community. You can be a blessing in the nation or a curse to the nation. And it really all depends if you are rightly connected to God. Because if we will consistently reset our hearts, we'll stay in that place where God's governing authority flows through us and we will govern appropriately, godly, righteously. And the fruit of that will be manifested in every area of our life. And I don't know about you, I like righteousness, peace, and joy. I've kind of got addicted to it. <laughs> I'm addicted to the good life that God wants to give us. Amen? And I have just settled in my heart. I want to refuse those things, anything, even things in my own heart and my mind that want to creep up to rob me of that life that Jesus died to give us. Amen? All right, so we talked about four things or three things. Today will be number four. We said number one, prayer resets us. It takes us back to our default setting, which is intimacy with God. We said fasting resets us. It takes us back to our default setting, which is dependency upon God. Last week, we said worship resets us. It takes us back to our default setting, which acknowledges that God is God. Aren't you glad you're not God? Man, I am so, I am so glad. That's a big job. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not God. I don't want to be God. I don't want to play God. I don't want to pretend to be God, which means I don't manipulate and I don't control and I don't try to be in charge of everything and everyone. Why? Because I'm not God. Amen. He's God. And that's what worship does. It takes us back, right? Prayer, fasting, and worship all reconnect us to a right place with God the Father so we can begin to rightly represent Him and govern in the authority He's given to us. Number four is we're going to hang our hats today, have a good time, right? The Word of God, amen? The Word of God resets us. It takes us back to our default setting, which is God's will for our lives. God's will for our lives. If I talk to Christians, and I talk to Christians a lot, one of the most consistent things I hear people say is I want to know the will of God. I want to do the will of God. What is God's will for my life? And, and to be honest with you, I've met a lot of people along the way who had these supernatural encounters, right? I remember meeting with a guy who was literally, he died on the operating table three times. He died on the operating table three times. They brought him back three separate times. The first time he died, he literally, he had an out-of-body experience. He said, I literally saw myself come out of my body. I was looking down on the operating room. I saw the nurses and the doctors. I could hear everything they were saying. And, and he said, and all that took place. And, and then after three times of him coding out, they brought him back. God spared his life. God saved him. Supernatural. He knew it was God. He knew it was a supernatural experience with the Lord. And I met this guy about five years after that had happened. And guess what he said to me when I sat in his living room? He said, Pastor Keith, I just wish I knew why God saved me. I don't have a clue what God's will is for my life. I wish I knew why God saved me. I've heard that over and over again. I know God saved me. I wish I knew why. I know God spared me. I wish I, knew. I wish I just knew why God redeemed. Why did God, why didn't I die in that car accident? Why didn't I die on that operating table? Why didn't I die from that overdose? Why didn't I die when I was making all those dumb, stupid decisions that I was making? I was making choices that I know should have produced death, but some reason I'm still standing here. I wish I just knew why God saved me. Well, let me just tell you something. The will of God is not a mystery. 
the will of God for your life is plain. As a matter of fact, the will of God for your life is black and white. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. God has given us the Bible, the Word of God, right? God's Word reveals God's will. God's Word reveals God's will, God's plan, God's purpose, God's purpose, God's thoughts, for your life. If you want to know who you are and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live, you've got to become a student of the Word. Let me just make a bold statement. You'll never know the will of God outside the Word of God. That guy that had that out-of-body experience never went to church, never read his Bible, and didn't have a prayer life. But he knew God had saved him. And unfortunately, to my knowledge, nothing ever changed. Supernatural experience. He knew it was God, but nothing changed. Let me tell you something. Supernatural encounters are not enough. The children of Israel in the Old Testament saw more miracles than any other generation that ever saw him, and they still rebelled against God. They ate bread from heaven every day. They drank water out of a rock. They walked through the Red Sea that was parted on both sides, saw it swallow up the Egyptian army. They saw the cloud by day, the fire by night, and yet they rebelled against God. They refused to obey God. They refused to follow God. Why? Because it is not enough for you to have supernatural encounters with the Lord. If you don't get in the Word, you'll never know the will. And you will consistently, like the children of Israel, you will wander around the mountains. We got way too many Christians wandering around the mountains. Well, I wish I knew what God's will was for my life. Man, if I could just discover God's will. I know God's got a plan. I wish I knew what that was. 25 years later, I wish I knew what God's will for my life was. If I could just find out what God wanted me to do, I'd do it. 30 years later, boy, I know God's got a plan for me. If I could just find out what God's plan for me is, I'd be glad to do it. 40 years later, I wish I knew what God had for me. If I could just discover the will of God. I would do God's will. I would be glad to do God's will. At my funeral, I'm dead, dying. I wish I knew the will of God. Here it is. God's word is God's will. Why is the word of God so important? Because you will never know the will of God apart from the word of God in your life. And if you refuse the word, you are doomed to wonder. If you refuse the word of God, you are doomed to wander around the mountain and around the mountain and around the mountain. What were they wandering around? They were wandering around the mountain and they were standing on the outside of their promised land. The place that God intended for them. The place that God promised them. The place that God created for them. The place that God was going to prepare for them was right on the other side. But they never entered in. Why? Because if you reject the word of God, You'll never know the will of God, and you'll never walk in it. So let me give you a scripture this morning, several scriptures, by the way. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to start today. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So God didn't just want, doesn't just want your spirit, and he doesn't want your soul. How many know God wants your body? Right? God wants all of you, body, soul, and spirit. Give your bodies to the Lord because of all he's done for you. Let them, your body, be a living and holy sacrifice, the, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, right? So Paul confirms what we learned last week, that worship involves sacrifice, amen? If you want to really worship God, make some sacrifice. Offer your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. Now look at verse 2. 
He says, and don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you. That's the word metamorphose. We get our word metamorphosis. Let God transform you. Take you from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from a tadpole to a bullfrog, right? How many of you know we need some metamorphosis going on? Right? We've been creepy crawlers for way too long. It's time for you to mount up, right? Let's mount up on wings as eagles. Let's fly. Let's stop creeping and crawling, and let's grow some wings, Right? That's what metamorphosis does. It takes the creepy crawler caterpillar and gives him wings. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God wants to do in my life. He wants to take us from creepy crawlers who are scurrying along the ground and give us wings so we can mount up on the wings of eagles and soar into what God has promised for us. So let God transform you metamorphosize you into a new person. Now, here's the key right here. By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. How do you get metamorphosized? How do you get transformed? How do you go from creeping and crawling to flying? You got to let God change the way you think. Why is the Word of God so important? Because God's Word is the transforming agent, right? This is God's will. This is God's plan. This is God's thoughts for your life. If you are intended, think about this. We were created in the image and likeness of God, so we should act like God. In order to act like God, I should think like God. In order to think like God, I got to know the Word of God in which He reveals His will, His thoughts, His plans, His purposes for my life. Let God transform you. How? By changing the way you think. And then look at the next part. That next word, look what it says. It says, and then. Y'all say then. Then, look what will happen. You will learn to know God's will for you. When do you learn and know God's will for your life? Only when you let God change the way you think. When you allow God to change the way you think, then and only then will you know the will of God for your life. When you allow God to change the way you think, then and only then will you know the will of God for your life. And then he tells us three things about God's will. He says, which is good, which is pleasing, and which is perfect. God's will is good. Let me just say this to you. God's will is good, right? It is a good life. When you're living in the will of God, you're living a good life, right? Doesn't mean there's no challenges. Doesn't mean there's not difficulties. Doesn't mean there's not enemies to fight. That's part of living a good life, right? I'm living a good life when I got a mountain to climb and I got an enemy to fight, right? That's a good life. How many know a good life is not stagnant and stale? A good life is not kicked back in the recliner. God help us if we think the good life is that I can sit in my recliner eight hours a day. That's not the good life. That's a useless life. That's a waste of life. How many of you know God didn't save you so you could sit in your recliner eight hours a day? Nothing wrong with a recliner, but come on. Right? I love to go home and sit in mine every evening, but I wasn't created for the recliner. I was created for his glory. Whether I'm 20 or whether I'm 80, I was created for his glory. Right? No matter my age, I was created for his glory. I was created to govern, to rule, and to reign on the earth as a representative of Jesus Christ so that the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit could be manifested in my world. How many of you understand the only person I impact in the recliner is me? <laughs> I'm not changing the world from my recliner. 
Unless you're on your laptop. Maybe you could be blogging or doing something like that, right? But other than that, we've got to get involved. Right? We were created for his glory. Then and only then. So God's will for your life is good. Right? Sometimes people get fearful. Well, if I just really surrender my life to the Lord, God's going to make me do something I don't want to do. No, God's will for your life is good. And then the next word says it's pleasing. God's will for your life is pleasing. Now, that's kind of a twofold thing. Number one, God's will for your life pleases God. How many have ever had your kids or grandkids do something that you knew was the right thing they were supposed to do? And maybe they made a hard choice, and maybe they made a hard, hard decision, but they did the right thing. How many know for mom and daddy or grandma and grandpa, that makes you proud? It pleases you. Right? That's what God feels. When we live his will, when we do the things we were created to do, it pleases God. But guess what? Not only does it please him, God's will for our life is good. It's the good life, but it's also pleasing. We find pleasure in doing what God has called us to do. Eric Little was a missionary to China. There's a great story. It's a, TV, a movie called Chariots of Fire. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's an old school movie, but it's great. It's worth the watch, right? The old, the old theme song out of the Chariots of Fire is awesome. Right, but here, here's the reality. In the story, Eric Little makes this statement. He says, I know that God has called me to be a missionary to China. He says, and I, but I also know that God has made me fast. He was an Olympic gold medalist. And he won the gold medal in the Olympics, and then he went to China and spent the rest of his life evangelizing and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then this is what he said. He said, I know God's called me to, a mission, to be a missionary, but I also know God has made me fast. And then he says this. He says, and when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. I feel the pleasure of God. Man, there is a pleasure. I'm just telling you, there is a joy in doing what God's called you to do. There is a pleasure that you will find in the will of God that you will not find anywhere else. And then the Bible says, and God's will is perfect. It means it is complete, lacking Nothing. Mature. Brought to completion. I want you to understand, your life is more complete. It is, it is lived to its fullest potential when you're living the will of God. That is the complete picture of your life. God's will for your life is the complete, the perfect picture of what your life can be. In other words, it could not get any better than it actually gets when you're doing the thing God has called you to do. And what's awesome about that is that you find out that there is a goodness and there is a pleasure and there is a completion in the will of God that has nothing to do with money, status, or position. Right? Money has nothing to do with money, status, or position. Right? There is a good life. Right? I know people right now on the mission field living on less in a month than what we live on in a day. And they're living the good life. And they're full of joy. And they're finding completeness and satisfaction every day doing what God has called them to do. Why? Because the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect. It is the perfect picture of what your life can fully be. And when you're in the will of God, there's nothing better than that. And again, and it doesn't have anything to do with money, position, power, or status. Right? Nothing to do with those things. Those things are just resources that allow us to do what God has called us to do. But there is a good, pleasing, perfect life. It's called 
the will of God, and every person in this room can know and do God's will. How do I do that? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, If I will let God transform me into a new person by changing the way I think, then I will learn to know God's will for my life. God's word reveals God's will. And so it is impossible to know the will of God apart from the word of God, but when I embrace the word, it unlocks the will. So the more committed, hear me, the more committed I am to the word, the more committed I am to understanding and discerning and knowing the will of God for my life. And all of a sudden, it begins to unlock the picture that God created you to be. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's yours, and it's mine, and here's the good news, it really is free other than the fact it's going to cost you some time, effort, and energy. Amen? You can know and do and live the will of God by simply beginning to embrace God's word for your life. Let me give you another thought. I want you to see this. Look at that next point on your outline. You are more than you think you are. God's word removes the limits from our lives. Because the impossible is not impossible, it just hasn't been done yet. Right? Why, why, why is this important? Why is the Word of God, why is a spiritual reset so important? Why is it that we need to go back to discover who God created us to be? Because God's Word removes the limits. You are more than you think you are. You are more than you think you are. The reality is, is that most of us have allowed the limitation of our thinking, right? How many of you know the one thing that limits your life is your thoughts? You are who you think you are. Now, the problem with that is if you allow the world to define your thoughts, then you'll be what the world says you can be instead of being what God says you can be. See, many of you have limits on your life because you've listened to the wrong voice, You've allowed the world to tell you who you are. You've allowed your family to tell you who you are. You've allowed your critics, how horrible is that, to tell you who you are. But isn't that amazing? Think about your life. Somebody can brag on you and encourage you, and then somebody can come along five minutes later and criticize you, and a year later you'll remember the words of criticism, and you'll have forgotten the words of encouragement. Right? Some of you can remember things that were said over you when you were a kid. Critical words spoken over you. And you remember them today just like they were yesterday. Do you know why? Because you allowed that thought to become your limit. And you're constantly reminded of that criticism because every time you try to rise above it, you remember what they said. And you have placed that thought as a limit over your life. Now, the same people, I mean, you as a person, not only receive critical words, but over your lifetime, many of you have had people brag on you, and people encourage you, and people tell you what a great person you are, what a great job you've done, how you can do this, how you can do that, but you know what? You don't remember those words. Because every day, hear this, every day the world is constantly bombarding us with the lies and accusations of the enemy. And your thoughts become your limits. The scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. So let me just tell you a thought today. Let me give you an idea. You're more than you think you are. 
If you're not thinking what God thinks, if you're not saying what God says, if you're not doing what God wants you to do, you're more than you think you are. And the only way to remove the limit that's on your life is to allow the Word of God to transform the way you think. Because until you begin to think differently, you'll not act differently, you'll not be differently, and nothing will change in your life. See, what happens many times, especially in the new year, we make New Year's resolutions And we change our habits or we change our behavior for a few weeks, right? Maybe a few weeks. Maybe a week, maybe a day. We change our behavior for a few weeks. Why do most New Year's resolutions never last? Because it's not about changing behavior. Behavior is simply a fruit of thought. If you don't go back and change the way you think about who you are, then you'll never change the way you live your life. If you don't go back and change the way you think about who you are, you'll never change the way you live your life. And you might make a behavioral adjustment for three weeks or three months or six months, but it will never last, right? We've seen people do good for six months and fall away for three years. We've seen people do good for a year and fall away for the rest of their life, right? Why? Because behavior modification is not what God's after, God wants your heart. God wants to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does God do that? It is the daily digestion of the Word of God. Apart from this book, you will never become the person you're called to be, but you were created to be more. And God's Word begins to remove the limits. Remove the limits. Right? All of a sudden, all the barriers begin to go away. Why? Because Look at that last part of that statement. The impossible, right? The impossible is not impossible. Do y'all realize that? The impossible is not impossible. It just hadn't been done yet. It just hasn't been done yet. Think about this. This crazy thing I'm holding right here, my iPad. You know what this iPad tells me? What we thought was impossible is not impossible. It just hadn't been done yet. Because I can take a tablet with enough memory and computer knowledge that used to fill up a room, used to fill up a room and I hold it in my hand and I can now instant message and video call somebody on the other side of the world and talk real time to them, see their face and if they hadn't brushed their hair today. How many of y'all know 20 years ago this wasn't possible? 25 years ago, I was toting around a pager thinking I was a big deal. Right? I remember getting my first pager. I'm like, whoo, that is cool. Look at them little digits. My kids don't even know what a pager is. Pager, you mean they just sent you a number? What good's that? <laughs> and then you had to find a phone booth. That's exactly right. How many of you know the impossible's not impossible? It just hadn't been done yet. Look at the scripture. Luke chapter 1 verse 37. Jesus said this. For with God nothing will be impossible. Now if Jesus is true and that statement is true, with God nothing will be impossible, then guess what? The impossible is not impossible. It just hadn't been done yet. And some of you have set limits on your life. And you've even said, well, that's impossible. It's impossible for me. to. I'm not educated enough. 
I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right connections. I didn't grow up in the right family. I, I, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and all this stuff's against me, and my past is limited at me, and my future has a hope, because I, I could never do that. That's impossible. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, somebody else could do it. I could never do that. Some other church could do it. I could never do that. Some other person could do it. Some other family, but I could ne- that's impossible for our family. That's impossible. Nobody's ever went to college in our family. Nobody's ever got a high school diploma in our family. Nobody's ever graduated. No, nobody's ever went on to become a success. Nobody's ever done that. That's impossible. And how many times do we say those things? And more importantly, how many times do we think those thoughts? That's impossible. I can't do that. No. With God, look what Jesus said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Luke 18, 27, Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. They're possible, right? The impossible is not impossible. It just hasn't been done yet. So guess what I think? I think we ought to do the impossible. (laughs) I think 2018 and 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, I think we ought to begin to do the impossible. I I think we ought to begin to think like God thinks. When God looks at the world, God doesn't see the limitations God sees the opportunity and the potential for us to experience the fullness of who he has created us to be. The impossible is not impossible. It just hasn't been done yet. So let's do it. Let's remove the limits. How are we going to do that? i got to get in the Word. i got to begin to think like God thinks. Because when I begin to think like God thinks, then I'll begin to understand God's will for my life. And when I understand the will of God, I can begin to do the will of God. I can find that good, pleasing, and perfect place that God has created for me to live my life. And then guess what will happen? What has been impossible will be possible. I'm going to do what I've never done. I'm going to go where I've never gone. I'm going to reach who I've never reached. We're going to accomplish what we've never accomplished. Well, we don't have enough money. Well, the impossible is not impossible. We just ain't done it yet. I love what Joel Osteen said one time. They were trying to raise like a billion dollars or something. I don't know, probably more than that. He said, the bad news is we need a billion dollars. He said, the good news is, is we got the money. He said, oh, yeah, there's more bad news. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. We got the money. It's just still in your pockets. Y'all catch that later. Amen. Good news, right? How many you know the impossible is not impossible? You just got to remove the limits. You got to change the way you think. You got to get the word of God in your heart and in your mind so that you will be transformed into the person God wants you to be. And then and only then will you know God's will for your life. God's word reveals God's will for our lives. Amen. Let's look at that next point on your outline. Let me give you a couple of thoughts about the word of God. So the word of God is a manual for life. The Word of God is a manual for life, but it's more than that, right? It is our life. The Word of God is a manual for life, but it's more than that. It actually is our life. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's Word is a manual for life. You want to know how to live your life? Just consult the Word. I tell people all the time, the Word will work if you will work the Word. Right? It really is that simple. God's word will work. There is a seed for every need in your life. There's a seed for every need. God's word is a manual for life. You want to know how to conduct your business? Read the Bible. You want to know how to have a successful marriage? Read the Bible. You want to know how to raise godly children? Read the Bible. You want to know how to accomplish God's plan and purpose for your life? Read the Bible. Just read the Bible. It is a manual for life, right? It's the operation manual 
for living, right? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. The B-I-B-L-E, this is God's basic instruction before leaving earth. Everything you need to know about how to live your life is right here in the Bible. I read a story one time, this guy was a motivational speaker, traveled all over the world speaking, and he was in another country, he was eating at a real fancy restaurant, and he said the waiter recognized him. He'd wrote many books, and, and he said uh, the waiter recognized him and said, oh man, he said, I read, I've read all your books, it's amazing. He said, I want you to know I'm, I'm really pressing in to succeed, and I believe there's, there's dreams and visions for my life, and, 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 and the, guy, the guy, the waiter asked him, he said, is there, is there anything, what would you recommend if there's one other book, one book that I could read that would help change everything, what would it be? And, and the guy said, the motivational speaker. He said, well, let me just tell you, he said, there's one book that I have actually gotten all of my secrets out of. He said, how about I share that one book with you? Waiter said, that's awesome. Hang on just a second. He went and got a pad and a piece of paper. He said, okay, go ahead, write and write. What's the name of the book? He said, Holy Bible. See, because here's what you may not realize. Every successful person on the planet Now, I'm not talking about being successful by sin. Every person that has succeeded in life with integrity and character has followed the principles of the Bible, whether they knew it was in the Bible or not. There are atheists and agnostics that have obtained success in this world because they obeyed the principles of Scripture even though they didn't know it was the principles of Scripture. This book is the manual for life. And if you want to understand how to succeed in every area, every or any area of your life, read the Bible. But guess what? It's more than that. It's more than just a manual, right? Praise God, it's a manual. But it's more than that. It is actually our life. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses speaking for God. He says, yes, God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and to your ancestors. He did this to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. right? Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Why? Because God's word is not just a manual for life. God's word is our life. John 6, 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Right? The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is life. Life to our flesh, healing to our bones, life to our mind, life to our marriages, life to our heart, life to our finances. So God's Word is a manual for life, but then God's Word is actually life. Right? See, you can learn instruction for your marriage, and then God's Word can not only give you instruction for your marriage, God's Word can bring life to your marriage. It'll bring life to your finances. It'll bring life to you, to your own heart, physically to your own body, right? There are... There are countless testimonies of people who should have been dead that aren't dead because they took the medicine of the Word of God. Thy Word is health to my body and healing to my bones. God sent his word and healed them, the Bible says. It is life. God's word is life. Look at our next thought. I want you to see this. God's word is filled with amazing stories and history, but it's more than that. It's the fuel that feeds our faith and releases us into the will of God. God's word 
is filled with amazing stories and history. I hear people say, I would read the Bible, but it's boring. And I'm like, are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? This book is filled with amazing stories. And it's filled with actual, real-life history that can be proven by the world and, and all the things around us. This is the greatest history book ever written. And this is the greatest storybook ever written. Now, the great thing about the stories in the Bible is they're true. But if you like adventure, it's in here. If you like romance, ladies, it's in here. The best romance novel ever written, it's in here. If you like Jerry Springer, it's in here. Y'all ever read the Bible? Jerry Springer on steroids, you get in the Old Testament under those kings. They're killing people, they're sleeping with people, they're stabbing people, they're betraying people, and they're all family. Woo, put them on the show. Right? It's in here. It's in here. Any kind of story you want to read, suspense, mystery, it's in here. All the stories, the greatest stories ever written are in this book. And, and history is here. If you want to learn history, as a matter of fact, you can't be a, a professor of history and not know the Bible. It is one of the greatest historical books ever written with exact dates and exact times that strategically place all these different people in all these exact places at all these exact times that are true. It's a great read, but it's more than that. This book is the fuel to our faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17, I mean Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where's faith come from? Faith comes by hearing. What do I got to hear? I got to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is not only a book that we read, not only history that we can learn, but it is the fuel to our faith. It fuels and ignites our faith so that we can what? Be released into the will of God. Because how many of you understand, you're never released into the will of God just because you know His will. You're released into the will of God when you do His will. You're not released into the will of God because you know His will. You're released into the will of God because you do His will. Faith without works is dead. This book is the fuel that feeds your faith. You want to live a life of faith? You want to live a life of the impossible? You want to live a life of the supernatural? Read this book. Study this book. Memorize this book. Learn this book. Enjoy this book. It's the Bible. It is the Word of God. And it is life to those who find it. Amen? Amen? And it is health to all their bones. The impossible is not impossible. You just hadn't done it yet. And you hadn't done it yet because you haven't allowed the Word of God to remove the limits. Let me just say this to you. Every limit you have on your life can be removed by the Word of God. There is more. How many of you really believe that? There's more. Anybody believe that? There's more. This is how we get it. Let me give you our last thought. Man, that was the best amen I've got all year. Amen. Last thought, look at this. Just to wrap up. 
we reset. How do we reset? How do we find that default setting? We reset through prayer, fasting, worship, and the Word of God. And through these things, right, what happens? We discover a life of intimacy, dependency, that acknowledges God and knows His will for our lives. Who doesn't want that? I don't know about you. I want a life of intimacy and dependency with God. I want to live a life that acknowledges God every day and in every moment of my life. And I want to live a life where I am knowing and doing the will of God. Amen. It is ours. The impossible is not impossible. You just hadn't done it yet. Let's do the impossible this year. Amen. Let's let God's word remove the limits. Let's know and do God's will for our lives. Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you today for removing the limits. I thank you for the word of God that is life, that is fuel to the fire of our faith. God, I pray that today we would be fired up, that there would be a holy fire that would burn in us. God, not an emotional flame, but a holy flame that would ignite our hearts to action, that we would know and do the will of God. That we would allow your word to remove the limits from our lives as we begin to think like, act like, and live out our lives as real, true representatives of Jesus Christ. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth in us and through us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.